Tisha B'Av is a day that is the worst day in history. So many things happened on this day. The Churban by Yisrishon and the Churban by Yisheni. The Jews were expelled from England. The Jews were expelled from Spain on Tisha B'Av. Same day. World War I broke out on Tisha B'Av. And many, many other personal tragedies took place throughout Jewish history, starting from the beginning of the three weeks and ending, culminating with this awful day. And every year, I remember the words of the Mikhtam Elio. Rav Desler writes in his Sefer that if a person in Spain that was in charge of ridding Spain of the Jews would know, as he was doing it on Tisha B'Av, how much Amuna he was infusing into Klal Yisrael by doing so, because we understood that Tisha B'Av is a day that speaks to us. Tragically, he wouldn't have done it. He only did it because he didn't know. When things happen terrible to us on Tisha B'Av and during the three weeks, it has to give us a certain sense of Ashkocha Pratis. It has to send a message to us. And every year, I sort of brace for the worst during the three weeks. And I almost tremble thinking about what's going to happen. What's HaKadosh Baruch going to send us this year to give us a patch, to remind us that we're in Golis, And of course this year we had a terrible reminder that we're in Golis. With a treaty that was made between the great superpowers of the world and the Malchus HaRishah, the evil empire which exists today called Iran. And we can't even understand what the world is thinking signing an agreement with this evil empire, with this terrible country of Iran, who makes no bones about what their intentions are. They're not trying to hide anything from us. They tell us exactly what they want to do with Eretz Yisrael. They want to wipe us off the map, Rahman They want to create another holocaust. They're creating nuclear weapons as we speak, if they don't already have them. And here we are, the Secretary of State, the President of the United States, and all of the major countries of the world are signing agreements, bending over backwards to make a deal with such people. There's no way of explaining it other than it's Hashkacha. HaKadosh Baruch tells us every year, during these three weeks, the place that we find ourselves in dire straits, every single year, all of our enemies chase after us, attacking us, threatening us, overcoming us. 
And we're supposed to feel afraid. We should feel afraid. That's what Gaulus is. I want to ask you a question. What is so frightening about Iran having a nuclear weapon? There are other countries in the world that have nuclear weapons that are no friends of the Jews. What is it about Iran that Prime Minister Netanyahu and all of us are so scared of? There's a difference between Iran and all of the other countries in the world. Other countries in the world, in the civilized world, always are afraid to use a nuclear weapon. Russia has a nuclear weapon. United States has a nuclear weapon. Israel has a nuclear weapon. India, Pakistan, many countries have nuclear weapons. But there's always something called the deterrent factor. Russia will not send off a nuclear weapon if there are sane people in charge because they know that the second that they do against any country, they will retaliate. And Russia doesn't want to suffer personal losses. They're not crazy. Iran and B'nai Yishmael are different. We see on a smaller scale in the Gaza Strip how the Arabs are fearless. They make tunnels into Israel. They fire missiles into Israel. Even after Israel shows that we have an iron dome that could actually stop missiles from coming into the land, they still continue to lob more missiles. And Israel, of course, retaliates, killing thousands. It doesn't stop them. They are not afraid of carrying out kamikaze missions against Eretz Yisrael because they hate us more than they love themselves. That's the frightening element that B'nai Ishmael has, that the Arabs have. They hate us so much that they would rather die than have us be happy. The famous line of the Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir, off-quoted, we will have peace with the Arabs when they love their children more than they hate us. The second that they start loving their children more than they hate us, we'll have peace. Who wouldn't want to make peace? Who would stop from an outstretched arm that Israel constantly extends to them? Why wouldn't they want peace? Why wouldn't they want prosperity? Why would they want their children blown up? The answer is that they hate us so much that they would rather detonate bombs on their own children and women than make peace with us and allow us to have menuchas nefesh. That's the depravity of the Bnei Yishmael. And that's why it's so frightening, Bein to feel how close Iran is getting daily to accomplishing their goal of having a nuclear weapon. Rahman Utsan. I want to tell you something, and it's even more frightening than what I've said so far. We speak about the Arabs, about B'nai Yishmael, about their venomous hatred towards us, and how that overrides their love for themselves. 
the secret is, the dirty secret is, that if you look back in our own history as a people, we have the same exact genetic makeup. Do you know that during the Chorban Bayesheni, in the preceding years, it was the last couple of hundred years before the Chorban Bayesheni, where we were ruled by the Chashmainoim, which are famous from Hanukkah. The Kaihanim were in control of Bnei Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael. And there were two brothers, two Jewish brothers, Horkinus and Aristobulus. And these two brothers had a lot of power in Eretz Yisrael. They were in control of the whole Medina, the whole country. But they hated each other. They were jealous of each other. They had what we call kinasina. They had a combination, a lethal, a toxic mix of hatred and envy for one another. And so one of the brothers, and in fact, Yosephus, one of the svarim that is permitted to be learned on Tishabab is Josephus. Josephus writes in his famous book that it wasn't just one brother, but it was in fact both brothers, both Hyrcanus and Aristobulus. They hated the other so much that they sent personal invitations to Rome. Please come, accept my personal invitation I will be your slave. A king of Israel said this. I will be your slave. I will be your indentured servant. But just come in and take over the land so that my lousy brother won't rule also with me. Can you imagine? These are Jews. It's not Bnei Ishmael. This is what caused the downfall of the Churban Bayesheni, when we speak about the Sinas Chinam, which is something that we reiterate over and over and over again. I don't know how many speakers, speakers today mentioned the word Sinas Chinam, but I venture to say it was dozens. Sinas Chinam, this is Sinas Chinam. When you're willing to go after your brother and destroy yourself, take down yourself, take down Klal Yisrael, just so that there shouldn't be a brother of mine who's enjoying success, that's kinasina, that's sinas chinam. That's what brought back, what brought down the Chorim Beis HaMikdash. You look at the story of Kamsa Bar Kamsa. There was a man by the name of Bar Kamsa, I'm sure we're all familiar with the story. He got an invitation to a party and he really wasn't invited to it was Kamsa that was supposed to be invited. The shliach, the agent, the mailman made a mistake. He sent it to Bar Kamsa, the host of this party, comes over to Bar Kamsa, who was his foe, and he says, you better get out of this party or else. And there were a lot of rabbis sitting on the dais. Nobody said anything. Bar Kamsa pleads with the host, and says, don't kick me out. Please let me stay. I'll pay for my meal. Get out! I'll pay for half the party. No. I'll pay for the entire party. Out. He picks himself up. He passes all the rabbis that were silent, and he swears to himself, this is not going to stand. 
and he goes to Rome and he comes up with a, with a scheme to bring down the entire Jewish nation and himself as well just because he was enraged at what happened to him. He would rather destroy himself and Klai Yisrael than have to have the host of the party be able to get away with something. This is a terrible character trait. But this is what brought us down during the time of the Churban Bayesheni. Let's fast forward to the 1920s. The great Chafetz Chaim lived in Raden. And there were two members of this small community in Raden, in Poland. And they were having a vicious fight between the two. They couldn't stand each other. They were like the Hatfields and the McCoys. They had a seething animosity. And they would not stop fighting. And they got their whole community embroiled. And some took the side of one team, and the other took the side of the other team. And guess what started to happen? Reuven, one of the battling people, his son died. One of his sons died. And then one of Shimon's sons died. And then another son of Reuven died. And then another son of Shimon died. A third son, of, all within a few weeks, months. And everybody that had half a brain in their head were able to see this was no coincidence. Obviously, HaKadosh wants the Machlekes to stop. This Sinas Chinam to stop. And the Chafetz Chaim, the great sage of Israel, who was already in his 90s, he made it his business to try to stop this bitter war. And he approaches Reuven, and he says to Reuven, don't you see what you're doing? You're losing your children. Stop the insanity. Let's make up. I'm not trying to win a Nobel Peace Prize, but for your own sake, Make up. You don't want to lose all of your children, do you? And guess what Reuven said to the Chavetz Chaim? He says, Rebbe, I have ten sons. Let them all die, but I will never make up with him. This is kinah sinna. This is hatred and envy mixed together. The most toxic mix that we could ever taste kinasina. it's what brought down the Chorban Bayez Sheni with these two brothers and it continues to this very day whenever you find Machloikas, stay far away from it stay as far as you can from it because nothing good can ever come of Machloikas and so much bad could come of it to the degree that people are willing to give up everything to be swallowed by the earth the stifler says by Parshas Kairach, you see this clearly. Kairach had everything going for him. He had to start a fight that he could never win with Maishra Rabbeinu. Guess what happened? He lost. 
When you start a fight, when you have this jealousy and this hatred, you're going to be brought down. Karach didn't even care. He was on a kamikaze mission, a suicide mission against Maishu Rabbeinu, and he couldn't care less about the fact that he would be taken down. Just, I want to bring Maishu Rabbeinu down. And then it would be worth it. It's insanity. But we do this every day in one form or another when we have a fight. It might not be this extreme, but when we fight with somebody else, don't we always do this? We know it's going to cause us so much ill will. We're not going to be able to sleep well at night. We're not going to be able to eat well. We're not going to be able to enjoy our families. But we still, for some crazy reason, engage in these petty fights. And we say it's worth it just so that the other person will not enjoy his life as well. One of the classic Musr Svarim is called Archas Tzadikim. The best chapter, in my opinion, of that whole Sefer, and it's an amazing Sefer, it's, if they're selling it outside, you should all line up to buy it. It's the most beautiful Sefer, perhaps, in all of the world. But there's one chapter that speaks so clearly to anyone that might have these issues of kinah, of jealousy, and anger, and hatred. And it's called Shara Kinah. And you have to listen to the words of the Archis Sadiqim. Listen to what he tells us, a story. There was once two people, and one suffered from something called Chemda, and the other suffered from something called Kinah. Chemda means that I covet whatever I see. I have a neighbor that pulls up in a brand new Maserati in front of his house, and I want that car. I have a, a friend, I'm a bacher, and he gets engaged to a very hush of a girl from a, fa- from a good family, and I get really jealous. That's chemda. Chemda means I covet what you have, I want it. Kinnah is a little different, it's similar, it's related, but kinnah means I'm just jealous of you. I'm just jealous. It's not that I want so much, I just don't want you to have it. It's different. So a very wealthy nobleman approaches these two fellows on the street. And this nobleman is like a billionaire. And he says, hey guys, I got a good deal for you today. He says, I want to fulfill your any request. Meaning, if, you're, if you want something, I'll give it to you. Whatever you want. You want a million dollars, you want a billion dollars, Fine. You want a car, you want a house, you want a vacation. Whatever you want, just ask me for it. But on one condition. Whatever I give to the first person who asked, I give double to the second person. Now this is a big, big problem for both of them, right? Because think about it. The one that was a hamdan, the one that coveted, I don't want to ask for a billion dollars because what's going to happen is my best friend over here is going to have two billion dollars and that's impossible. I can't allow that to happen. So, by all means, he says to his friend, you go first. After you, you make the first request. Then, the guy with the kinna issue, he starts thinking in his head, I can't do it. I'm not going to be first because 
if I ask for a new car, he's going to get two new cars. That's impossible. You go first. And it's back and forth and back and forth. They were both going to even like forfeit this great opportunity because they were so nervous and wrapped up in their personal issues. So listen to what the Archa Sadiqim says was the end of the story. The person that had kinah, the person that had jealousy, he had a great einfall. He had like a, one of those light bulb moments. He says, okay, I'm going to go first. Let me get this straight. Whatever you, give, whatever you do to me, he gets double, right? Yes. Okay. I have the solution. I want you, oh nobleman, to poke one of my eyes out. Take out one eye, one of my eyes. Just so that my friend will have both eyes gouged out. Could you imagine? Do you understand what the Archet Sadiqim is conveying to us about the depravity of a human being? How it's possible to sink so low because of our hatred, because of our jealousy. But we have that in us. The Arabs are not alone. They're just a lot more vocal about it. But we all have this in us. And if we want to solve the crisis of the last 2,000 years, we have to get rid of this kinah. We have to get rid of this sin and we have to love one another. We have to stop being jealous. We have to stop nursing all the animus that we have. We started speaking about these two brothers, Horkinus and Aristobulus, that hated each other and that brought down the Bayashani. And I want to end with a story of another two brothers. Now, I have to admit that this story may not be true. And in fact, it might certainly not be true, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's such a powerful story. Legend has it that way before the Beis HaMikdash was built on the Har Maria, there were two brothers. And unlike Hercules and Aristobulus, they didn't hate each other. They loved each other. One brother was single. He was an elder of Bacher. He had no children. He was never married. And the other brother had a very large family. Together they were partners in a big field. And they had a bumper crop that year. And each of them split up the produce, each to their own separate silos. And late at night, each brother was thinking, you know, says the brother with the large family, I feel bad for my single brother. I want to give him something. I want to give him a gift. And so he takes a lot of his grain and he transports it into the silo of his single brother. At the same time, the single brother takes grain from him and says, you know what, what do I need all this grain for? My brother has can I hire a large mishpacha. Let me take from my grain and bring it over to his silo. And the next morning, they both wake up and they were expecting to find uh, a lot of their grain missing, but lo and behold, 
It was exactly the same amount as when they went to sleep the night before. It was strange. And this happened again and again. Every night they were sneaking into each other's silos and giving and giving and giving. Until one night, these two brothers bump into each other in the dark of night, each holding their grain. And all of a sudden they both realize and they both recognize how fortunate they are to have such a loving brother. And they embrace and they hug and they kiss. And legend has it that on that very spot, the Beis HaMikdash was built. If we want the third Beis HaMikdash to be rebuilt, it's not rocket science. To understand that we have to change our ways. I think we all have in us a little bit of kinah or a lot of kinah. A little bit of sinah or a lot of sinah. No one is potter from this. Everybody has it. It's just a matter of admitting to it. We have to be happy for each other. We have to feel good when somebody else succeeds. We should never be jealous. We should never try to take somebody down just in order to pull ourselves up. You know, the Vilna Gainan will end with this. The great Vilna Gain, perhaps the greatest sage in the last 400 years, he said that when I was a child, I only went on a seesaw once. I never went on it again. He says, because how could I do that? How could I lift myself up while pushing somebody else down? How often do we do that? We feel good when somebody else is down that lifts us up, that buoys us. How can we do that? We're hidden. We're not going to smile. When a friend of ours gets engaged, we should be dancing the hardest by their chasta. When a friend of ours marries a child off, even if our children are having a hard time in Shidduch and be happy, it's hard. Of course it's hard. It's impossible. But we have to do it. If our friend gets a promotion, if our friend is a bigger Talmud Chacham, we have to try to learn how to be happy for one another. Not to have that evil eye. Not to have that kina sinna. To try to build up another year, to hug, to embrace, to be happy. And that will be the foundation. Be'ezus Hashem Yisparach to Mechabel Pnei Mashiach Tzidkenu Thank you very much.